Hey guys, this is Nirmal Bhansali and welcome to another episode of the Curiosite podcast. In this particular episode, I speak to Rishabh Sanchethi, who is an advocate based out of Delhi and he's been litigating for the past decade or so. He had a lot of experiences to share and I spoke to him about his motivation to pursue litigation, about the kind of cases he's worked on, about the kind of people who have inspired him to pursue this particular profession and a lot of other things. I shall not keep you waiting any longer. Let's just dive right into the show. Hey Rishabh, welcome to the Curiosec podcast. I'm really glad that you're here. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me here, Nirmal. Okay, so before we get into discussing your life and your career, I just wanted to know in brief about what it is that you exactly do and for how long you've been doing this. All right, so I graduated in 2006 from National Law University Jodhpur, as you know. I went for my master's for a year, actually 11 months, which was an Erasmus course. I did master's in European master's in law and economics. and uh, since then i've been practicing so i've been practicing law for close to 12 years now oh okay so uh, where have you been practicing so i started my career at jodhpur and uh, then since 2010 i've been practicing at the supreme court and i do some other high courts also so i'm based out of delhi now okay okay so uh, taking you a bit back i wanted to know a bit about your childhood where did you grow up what was it like do you think there are particular instances in your childhood which you still hold dear okay answering them one by one i grew up at jodhpur all my schooling was at jodhpur uh, instances from childhood which i remember uh, i remember going with my grandparents to uh, uh, jain saints uh, they are devout jains and uh, today when i practice law i think a lot of understanding of things um, today i owe to uh, what my grandparents taught me so i have very happy memories with my uh, grandparents and uh, how they taught me about life about world about our existence and coexistence okay so as a kid did you always know that you wanted to do law or whether other options that were available to you and you decided that law was for the best okay uh i never thought i'll be a lawyer and when i look back now i wonder if i could have been or would have been anything else but a lawyer uh, when i was growing up i thought i'll be a chartered accountant because jodhpur as you know it produces um uh, the highest number of chartered accountants in the country and especially the school that i come from that's uh, it's called mahesh school the full name is maheshwari senior secondary school any given year uh, this school produces the highest number of chartered accountants as in any batch of chartered accountants for past probably 3 decades uh, the largest number of uh, um, students uh, would belong to this school so i was uh, as all my friends and all my cousins i thought uh, i'm all set to be a chartered accountant it's it's quite uh, serendipitous that i am a lawyer oh so how did you end up choosing law if ca was the end goal it's quite a long story to to tell you in in uh, as succinctly as i can um, my brother was dealing with hcl computers uh, 
NLU Jodhpur had just started up. Mr. Lahoti was the first uh, officer on special duty. The act uh, was not in place till then and university did not have enough funds. They said they'll go for HCL computers. So Mr. Lahoti knew my brother from before. He said, uh, Raviji, if you can please send uh, some systems, we would pay you when the fund comes because we don't have the fund right now. In that process, my brother uh, happened to meet Professor Mitra and um, when he came back home, he said, why don't you write for law? And I was like, why law? I mean, why are you even saying this? I'm supposed to be a chartered accountant. And they're like, okay, give it a shot. So uh, even though NLU Jodhpur was, I was the first batch. So this was the first time that people were writing for NLU Jodhpur and there was no CLAT at that time. I was probably one of the few, if not the only person in my batch who did not write the exam for any of the law school because I, I was very sure that I don't want to do it. Only because my brother insisted and he was able to persuade my parents that I should give it a shot. Uh, I did. I got, I think, uh, admitted at the 13th rank in the entrance exam. And I distinctly remember the seventh day when I was uh, there. It was compulsorily residential. So even though I happened to hail from Jodhpur, I was supposed to be uh, living on campus. We had a makeshift campus. I distinctly remember I, I gave a call to my parents on the seventh day and I said, you please take me back. This is not the right place for me. This guy is mad, referring to Professor Mitra. <clears throat> I said, he makes us work too hard. Our classes start 8.30 in the morning and 8.30 in the evening, the last class would start and he calls it he calls this regimentation. And I said, this is not, this is not what I'm supposed to do. I, I haven't done, I am quite a lazy guy and this guy is making me work hard. I haven't worked. So you can't do this to me. And uh, my parents were like, okay, I mean, just try for a semester. If you don't like it, come back. And that's how it started. And how did you navigate through the five years in law school? In fact, what did you decide at the end of your first semester? So, <clears throat> you know, uh, throughout the first semester, I would sit quiet. I had a language handicap coming from Jodhpur. I wasn't uh, very, um, I did not uh, have, I did not possess good language skills. And uh, I would wonder to myself what they are saying. I can also say, but I don't possess enough skills in this language which is English. So I told myself that I must do something about it. I went to Professor Mitra and said, you know, you don't, you, you haven't given us a good English teacher. And Professor Mitra said, uh, who told you that uh, English would be taught by a teacher? You have to learn it yourself. It's a language. And I said, okay, how do I go about it? And those days, I mean, we were just one batch. So, you know, all grievances, all compliments. It was just one to one with Professor Mitra. So he said, read newspapers. I said, oh, that's a great idea. And, um, so I decided to read newspapers and uh, do something about my language uh, skills in English. And uh, then I thought moot courts is a good way to do it. Uh, so I started participating in moot courts and uh, went to moot courts as much as a person can go into moot courts. I think today I would, if I start counting, I can make a Guinness record uh, for judging moot courts. Be that as it may. <coughs> so that's how it started and that's how I navigated through the first semester to the second semester, telling myself, let's take it step by step. Let, let's let's take it bit by bit and do it. And uh, at what point did you decide to pursue litigation or did you explore other options as well? That's an interesting question. Uh, you're going to publish this interview, but uh, there are things which I would not like to say on record. Uh, to keep it simple, my first choice was to teach. When I came back from my master's, I started taking classes at NLU Jodhpur. I was doing it on an honorary basis. 
I taught two courses uh, for the corporate honors batch and I was thinking of uh, giving a full course in constitutional law in the next sem. Uh, one fine day during the semester, midway, I got a call from a staff person, uh, not even a faculty member, who said, uh, Sir, you don't want to come tomorrow. And I was like, okay, my course is midway, what do you mean? He said, no, sir, you don't want to come tomorrow. And I was like, why? And he had no answers to give and he wasn't even very keen to entertain me beyond this. And he said, no, sir, you don't want to come tomorrow. I had no idea what's happening. So I was asked not to continue. God knows the reasons. Uh, and uh, the class protested because I was taking class uh, in the evening and my class had almost full attendance and uh, students were keen to continue. So a couple of students the next day asked the dean, the then dean, on what's happening. And he did not really have many answers to give. A few days later, uh, I was informed to send the attendance. So that's how I decided that I will not teach, uh, at least not in the beginning of my career, maybe someday later. My choice not to do uh, uh, not to do transactional practice came from uh, working at some firms and uh, I my stint at those firms it was basically an internship but I had very good internship experiences uh, very meaningful experiences uh, they taught me enough about uh, transactional uh, lawyering and I convinced myself that I'm not cut out for it so litigation was kind of a choice by elimination it was a fallback choice for me Okay, that's really interesting. Uh, so, when you initially got into litigation, what sort of problems did you face? And how did you sort of overcome those problems? I started at Jodhpur. The typical problem that anybody who's a first-generation lawyer would have, in fact, even the second-generation lawyers would have this problem, is how to establish yourself in litigation. I would uh, ask my senior, said, briefs kahan se aati And he'd say, aati, aati, have patience. Apne hap aati hai. Uh, in my case, it was curious. I actually had interns before I had briefs. So, two students from NLU Jodhpur, uh, Piyush Prasad and Ashish Varmani, they wrote me an email saying they want to intern with me and I was very surprised. I told them I'm still a junior in another council's office and this is not Bombay High Court where, you know, you can be a junior and you can still have your own practice. This is Jodhpur. They said, no, no, we are very keen to work with you. So, I actually had uh, interns before I had briefs. And uh, it wasn't very easy, but it wasn't very difficult because my senior was very kind. He allowed me to argue. And uh, as a result of that, I was able to pursue litigation very passionately. There were days when I have argued 20 admission matters when I was only two years at the bar. And uh, that made it very easy for me to steer through because the more you argue, the more uh, you can tell the world that you're out there and people who find your work is good, they send you briefs. Okay, so I'm in my second year right now and one of the major things that I have always heard about litigation is that it's a very grueling activity and that you keep on doing the same thing again and again. Did you ever find it to be boring or did you find it too stressful when you were pursuing it? On the contrary, if you allow me to point out, I would say litigation is the most uh, interesting thing that you can do with your law degree. There is never a repetition. Every day you have to get up and you have to dig your well and, uh, you know, serve yourself something out of it. So every day is a new day. It may not be the same if, if you are, for example, doing transaction lawyering or if you are, if you are teaching. Uh, 
the other things that you can do with your law degree if you are in a job in litigation every day is a new day and every day is a very interesting day i mean that's that's how it has been for me so far and i believe when i look around i believe litigation uh, it's very difficult to get bored out of litigation okay i'll definitely keep that in mind another thing which i really wanted to know was when you're in this sort of a field and when you're entering this sort of a field what sort of goals do you set for yourself and 10 years after working in this field what are the goals that you're now looking at okay see when it comes to setting goals it's a very personal question i would say it's easier to set milestones and give you a more generic answer on milestones i think for a young lawyer the first milestone is to be independent a lot of people think that once they start getting the first few briefs they should get independent i would disagree i think it's a great thing to be associated with a chamber and uh, your learning is always incremental when you spend uh, you know more time in the chamber with a senior um when you are midway your career uh, you might decide that you would like to be a senior so you slowly start counsel practice or you decide that no you want to specialize in a field so you start focusing on that field uh so you set your milestones accordingly and at some point you have to tell yourself that you and i'm speaking very personally that you would now like to go uh, <clears throat> you know uh, and do something else for example you would want to work for causes or you would want to uh, not work for money so speaking personally for myself i have set my goal that at some point in time i would uh, stop briefing and uh, then maybe at some point of time i would stop working for money money comes but it's about whether you are working for money right now i'm paying my emi so i am somewhere you know um, a little insecure on that front but at some point in time i would like to get independent and uh, when i say independent i mean uh, independent of this worry and uh, be on my own which means if i can freely devote my time to the causes and do only cause based lawyering that is something that i have uh, set as a goal for myself when you entered the field you were in jodhpur and right now you're in delhi what was the reason for this shift and did you ever consider going to other cities like jaipur or bombay why particularly delhi okay uh the first few private side briefs that i received in jodhpur like i said i was working with a, um, a senior who was a government counsel so the first few private side briefs that i received in jodhpur i made it a point to ask for uh, uh you know per appearance fee and that's something not many people at that point were doing in jodhpur probably no one was doing it on a regular basis so all the clients would tell that uh, sir aap bombay mein delhi mein nahi aap jodhpur mein hai so i was always wondering okay then maybe i better be at bombay or delhi and uh, the move was slow and gradual uh, for some point in time uh, i was working both at jodhpur and at delhi and then eventually i shifted to delhi and thanks to the fact that i've shifted to delhi i now get to go before many other high courts and uh, i also do uh, matters uh, in trial courts so going to delhi is uh, translated into working at many other forums in many other courts and not being limited to one court when you're talking about milestones you mentioned how a litigator can choose to specialize in the sort of cases that he's working on i really wanted to know what sort of cases do you work on right now and whether you have any particular preferences with regard to your case or is it something you decide on a general basis 
see at supreme court level most of your cases are uh, where you're looking for a question of law so it is not necessarily a subject specific practice but it's about your skill on whether you can find a question of law in a given set of facts that apart uh, by choice i like to work on commercial side matters and i like to work on criminal side matters i pursue uh, cases where uh, death penalties are awarded and uh, i work with a team of lawyers who have so far saved about 23 people from the gallows oh wow that's something that's really amazing okay over the course of the past few years that you've been in this field i wanted to know about the sort of people that you look up to whether it has changed from when you entered the field to right now like who are the sort of idols that you have in this particular field i would always uh, say nani parkiwala has been an idol i have always uh, looked at him and his way of lawyering as something that i would like to emulate he's too great so i'm too far but i still try and that hasn't changed that apart i think in litigation you learn from everything you learn from everybody you learn from people who are senior to you without doubt but you also learn from people who are your colleagues who are your junior colleagues learning is everywhere when you're in litigation because when you're in litigation you are presenting a set of facts before a forum where the dispute may be for example if you are before the aptel it may be an electricity dispute if you are before tdsat it may be a telecom related dispute so there is so much of variety in litigation that you keep learning and you learn from everything and everybody you just have to be a very keen observer when you're in litigation when you started working in jodhpur you were a junior associate and i'm sure after 10 years now i'm guessing that there are lawyers who are working under you right now so how was that shift for you from junior to senior and how are you handling that burden is it too stressful for you to manage your associates right now okay so yes i did work as a junior associate with someone but there are no people working under me in our office we have a very clear uh, idea of everybody being at par everybody being a counsel so there are no juniors in our office they're all colleagues uh, that about managing a practice has its own burden you are right uh, it's not easy to manage a practice there are too many things that you have to worry about and uh, if you ask me how do i uh, manage it i manage it by worrying uh, my share of things and uh, making my way through and how is managing your practice been like what sort of impact has it had on you have you ever felt that you know what this is too much to handle for me okay it's like this when you're in litigation you are basically you are in a service you are in a service industry and ultimately your idea is to deliver deliver to the satisfaction of your client so if you ask me if this has worried me not really but yes you have to be prepared to be able to deliver your services at any point in time i along with a few friends took a call when the day petition for yakub menon was dismissed that he still has a right left there are a lot of people who are against this and i kept telling everybody including my family uh, some of my family members you know they they uh, got their resistance registered that this is not this is not fair you should not really be working for a terrorist and i only told them this if if i was a doctor and if i had a soldier who came and a terrorist who came in front of me and both were injured both had bullet injuries would i as a doctor make this choice 
or say that I'll not operate the terrorist, I'll only operate the soldier. If a doctor would not do that, if a doctor would operate both of them with equanimity, why should a lawyer uh, discriminate? It is my choice to take up the brief that I like and my idea is I'll not judge my client. I'll only protect whatever right he or she may have. So to the last right available in the constitution, if one has, I'll stand there to protect it. Does it ever become hard for you to, you know, maintain this line between your work and your family or personal life? Like when there are instances like the one that you just mentioned, what do you do? Do you talk about such cases at home or how are you able to maintain this line very clearly? Okay, I was, uh, I'm lucky on that count. My wife is also a lawyer. So things are easy. Uh, I believe otherwise it becomes difficult for a uh, person in council practice because uh, it's very difficult to make, to, to mark that work-life balance. Okay. It does get very hectic. But I believe that's that's with everyone. Even people who are in transaction lawyering, it's very hectic. You must have heard about long hours in the firm, etc. So life is not easy anywhere with a law degree. <laughs> okay, that's that's obviously true. All right. So what's a normal working day for you? Like, for example, uh, what have you been doing for the past one week or so? If uh, you could give us a brief outlook of what a normal day for you would be. Okay. <clears throat> I usually prefer to get up early. Uh, morning time is the best time to mark briefs um, and read. I start for uh, officer court as the case may be by 8.39. I try to finish my uh, day's work as early as I can. So I always carry a few things on my iPad or my phone or maybe on a brief with me to read or to mark. And uh, the day would end only when the last client is out of your office. So that's something you, you can never decide. Oh, so how often do you get free time? Like, uh, do you take breaks or vacations or... Is it something that's not really possible to plan and it happens on the spot? It happens. In the last few years, I have cancelled so many vacations, I can't tell you. Uh, but I've taken uh, some of them, uh, you know, without any plans and those have been the most fun vacations I ever had. Uh, so, yes, I mean, uh, like I said, it, it gets hectic, but then you do get your free time. For example... I always thought that vacations are not a good idea, you know, Supreme Court has long vacations, but being in Supreme Court for a few years, I realized you need vacations because otherwise you at times work seven days a week and 30 days a month and you can't help it. So you do need these, these many days to go back to your family because there are a lot of people who are working in Supreme Court, but whose families are elsewhere. So they need time to go and catch up with their families and meet their relations and, you know, do all kinds of things that anybody would do. So that's why vacations are important. But then uh, sometime after I also realized that Supreme Court vacations are the best time for juniors because a lot of seniors are not around. And some of the best briefs that I have argued, I got to argue during vacations. So it's a mixed bag. Oh, okay. So in terms of cases, uh, what are some of the most important memories that you've had over the past 10 years? Like what is something that has happened that has greatly influenced you right now? Okay. Uh, very early in my days, I read uh, this biography on uh, Nani Palkiwala, which was written by M.B. Kamath. 
and uh, i read about his style of argumentation how he would uh, argue by giving an example that would lead to an absurdity and he would always tell the court my lord would not like this to happen and that's how he would save his own case a uh, few other things that he would do uh, would be for example to show the court like on a piece of paper that my reading is this and he would put the section in a particular manner and then he would say the other side's reading is this and he would put what they are saying on a piece of paper and he would make the court juxtapose based on that and based on this which i had i was fortunate to come across very early in my career i argued a matter before the rajasthan high court uh, before a bench that was presided over by dr justice vineet kothari who is now a judge in karnataka high court where i argued on an interpretation on a comma that's something i had read about that you know commas can be interpreted by court that judgment is reported it's uh, commercial taxes officer versus mangalam yans if i remember the name correctly uh, i was opposed by uh, mr dinesh mehta who's also now justice dinesh mehta in the rajasthan high court and uh, we actually argued on the interpretation of a comma oh wow okay and that's very interesting it's a reported judgment now that's that's something that i would never forget thereafter i had another chance to argue a, <clears throat> it was basically to defend a virus uh, virus petitions are supposed to be the most challenging petitions because you are challenging the constitutional validity of a provision so section 112a of the finance act 2000 was in challenge the entire bar <clears throat> like the who's who of rajasthan high court were appearing against me and uh, i was a junior counsel and i was appearing for the department my senior was kind enough to let me argue and he in fact was so kind that he said oh i'll sit next to you you have prepared well why don't you please argue so the arguments went on for almost 6 7 days uh, i saw the best of arguments on the other side and uh, i had to go back and work on everybody's arguments and to respond <coughs> eventually i was very lucky that uh, when i responded the court sounded satisfied and uh, the judgment came in our favor i was very happy but what was more interesting was this judgment was carried to supreme court and it did not take the supreme court even a minute to stay it oh so that made me learn that sometimes your victories however happy they make you they are short lived at the same time you should as a lawyer always believe in doing your job and not really worrying about the fate of your case you can't personally associate with the case you may be personally worried you may give your best as much as you can into the brief but once you have argued the brief you need to detach yourself coming to supreme court uh, <clears throat> a very fond memory i carry from a judgment called rumta uh, engineering college it was a new college that was to be set up the government said we will not let you set up because there are too many engineering colleges here we had hired a very renowned senior counsel to argue the brief it was before a bench of justice uh, chelameshwar and justice sikri the senior counsel did not turn up in the first round uh, i took a pass over and uh, then the matter again reached so i had no option but to start arguing <coughs> the senior counsel came in the meantime and uh, as the practice is if the counsel has already started arguing then nobody interrupts so the senior counsel was uh, magnanimous enough to come and sit next to me <coughs> i started arguing i argued the entire case and the bench was very kind to remark that uh, next time onwards before us you should not brief a senior 
of course my client was very happy because he was saying he was uh, saving a couple of lakhs per appearance for the, from the seniors appearance but uh, that is a day i oh, wow okay so with experiences like this when you have had memories like this over the past 10 years where you have achieved quite a bit over the period of your career what sort of skills and you know what sort of things do you still work on despite having a decade worth of experience i still read as many newspapers as i can so it's basically about updating yourself keeping yourself informed uh in terms of augmenting skills i think there is no end to learning there is no end to learning how to be witty that's not something that you learn by by you know directly reading something but that's something that you absorb very slowly at the bar so when you are at the bar you learn from everything that's happening every case that is being argued at times there is a senior counsel who is arguing against you and the court says something that makes you learn oh i should not do this and there are things which you like i said i pointed out it's a convention in supreme court which is followed almost in all courts for that matter that if once a counsel starts arguing then even if a senior counsel comes the person will not interrupt likewise if somebody is on legs and the day is ended the next day that person is supposed to be there and resume come what may so these are all things which you learn very slowly <clears throat> and uh, every day when you step into the court you are supposed to be more sincere and more humble so this is something which i have been wondering for a while now do you have any plans in the future of being a senior advocate or have you ever considered getting back to teaching if you give me a okay if you give me a choice today between teaching and being a senior counsel i would go for teaching but uh, like i said i have realized it's not very easy to teach there is too much of politics there and uh, usually what happens is when you go and teach uh, you ought to be very good with your subject matter so these days uh, what i prefer to do is to teach small courses where uh, i can uh, contribute to a particular area of law and uh, where i feel that i have something to share <coughs> as far as being a senior counsel is concerned i have never thought about it uh, the reason is this whether it is elevation or being a senior counsel these are things which which are a matter of honor and this is something that is always conferred upon you by the court so these days though the rules have changed and you have to apply and etc etc but uh, i think very old school on that count and i think uh, a counsel should only keep doing their work uh, whether to be and what to be is something that only time decides oh okay and have there been instances in the past where you possibly felt that oh i could have taken a better decision or made a better choice like have you had regrets over the past few years of any of the decisions that you have taken in your career in the long term not really i don't have any regrets um uh, i haven't really felt sorry or felt bad for any decision that i have taken because i fundamentally believe uh it's okay to do some mistakes it's okay to to be wrong sometimes you can't be right all the time it's very important to learn from your mistakes so uh something that applies to counsel practice also applies to life i mean you give it your best shot and then whatever is in the destiny would come how how do you handle important losses that you face in cases like you might have worked really really hard on a particular case but you were not able to get that order passed or judgment passed in favor of you so when you look back how do you 
how do you handle and how do you view these sort of cases see uh, probably i'm repeating myself but if you think as a counsel and if you are sincere to the brief you would never feel that having lost the case is a loss ultimately as a counsel you are only assisting the court to reach you know to the end that is justice maybe justice demanded that your client must lose as as a counsel your duty is only to best protect your client's interest it is not to protect your client's interest in any case in every case yeah that makes a lot of sense i i never really thought of it in that manner like when you're studying law one of the things <coughs> that we always end up uh, thinking about is what would have happened if the other lawyer would have won or what would have happened if the other lawyer would have lost okay so i just have a couple of more questions like the other one you have already sort of answered but i wanted to get a clearer picture out of you you've been pursuing litigation for quite some time now and what i wanted to know was what gets you back to litigation every morning what gets you back to court and what makes you want to argue every day uh <clears throat> the thrill that you get in arguments is something that only a person who argues would understand if you have done moot courts you will understand what i am saying uh those few minutes that you get at the lectern it's rarely hours for junior counsels it's only minutes especially in supreme court it's usually your mondays and fridays are only a few minutes of arguments the thrill that you get is not matched by hours of chamber practice the the learning that you have in those few minutes when you're standing there and addressing the court and when the court queries something from you and you are part of you know the justice dispensation system that learning is unmatched every time you stand there you come out as a better counsel so that's something that gets you going that apart every day is a new day you you know come to think of it i mean you you, you are able to help someone get their rights get their interests protected the day you get a stay order for someone that person is so happy and then you tell yourself this is my worth the first case the first brief that i got was for a person who was uh, a relative of somebody who was working at uh, nlu jodhpur this person said sir this is you know this is a brief that i want to entrust to you i know you'll argue it well i would not be able to pay you much don't worry about it but please try your best to protect this person's interest and uh, i filed that oa before uh, central administrative tribunal jodhpur i got a stay order i came out and handed that stay order uh, when it was printed in the evening to my client and he had tears in his eyes he was crying he had got a stay order and he was crying and that really shook me i was wondering my god what kind of work that we do that we can make people cry this man is crying because his rights are protected he is crying out of happiness now imagine you are able to do that every day or at least every day has a promise every day carries a promise that you will be able to save somebody's life save somebody's property save somebody's rights so that gets you going yeah i mean that's really really insightful okay just one last thing so is there if you had to say something to your 20 year old self looking back what would you say regarding your life or your career what is it something that you would tell your 20 year old self not 
especially in the career maybe something on the personal front i would have uh, yeah either works yeah no i if if i if i had a choice uh, so i met my wife in a moot court i met her in 2003 at the jessup at uh, chennai when there was only one jessup uh, at that time so she had come with the delhi team and i was part of the jodhpur team and that's where i met her so if i could go back in time and change something or tell my my 20 year uh, old uh, self something i would have said i should have you know got married like right after law school life would have been more fun okay i think we should really end it at that positive note thank you so much for taking away time from your clearly busy schedule and you know coming and agreeing to do this and thanks a lot for coming on to the podcast thank you nimal i think you are doing very good work keep it up don't forget to have fun it's very important to have fun at law at the law school while you are there don't be very serious about the law school just be sincere Thanks a lot for listening to the Curiosec podcast. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Rishab Sancheti. I must sincerely thank him once again. So when we were recording this interview, he already had a bunch of cases on hearing the next morning itself. He still took quite some time to have this conversation with me. I thank him once again on coming to the show. Now if you haven't already done this, I really request all of you to subscribe to my podcast on Pocket Cast or iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to my podcast. and f- make sure that you follow us on facebook that always helps keep writing to us tell us what you think about the show any inputs all of that definitely help us to improve the show and stay tuned for more and more episodes